you can hear me, but I'm trying to, what did I do not to do the video? I don't know, but I, I mean, no offense, but I don't really need to see you as long as I hear you, but <laughs> let's play. It's another episode of let's see if Shelly can figure out how to use Zoom. <laughs> there you, oh, there you are. Oh my God. Put some clothes on. Jesus Christ. Shut <laughs> up. Shut up, you. I got tape over the, the um the thingy because uh yeah the, you don't have to explain why you had tape over the thingy. The last three days, the last three days at my house have been insane. Insane in, in what do I wanna know why or just fucking um all the young boys and girls, drugs, sex rock and roll, uh Where? and one of them, one of them was like, you better put tape over your thing. I said, I never thought of that. But there you go. <laughs> great you had tape over it well you know that's kind of uh it's kind of fitting all right so you hear me you got a mouthful of food that's awesome my life has been hell but you know what people life you, you if it, I'll, I, like james mason said lolita life is both bitter and sweet <laughs> and that's why they invented the word bittersweet because if you want the sweet, you must experience the bitter. from James Mason. All right, so let's get into this. All right, welcome everyone. This is another special bonus episode of that record got me hi i'm your host rob elba this is when we have special people on uh, celebrities or you know <laughs> what may have you <laughs> you don't compare me to those heterosexual hand bones it's like a narcotics anonymous meeting every time i'm a celebrity all right and they curate a special mixtape and we go through it and we talk about it and i'm very excited to have back on the show returning guest welcome South Beach drag legend uh, Shelly Novak, aka Tommy Strangey. Welcome back to the show, Shelly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had some smooth marijuana. Yes, Anyways, uh, but what's going on with you? You moved to Los Angeles. I'm in Los Angeles now. You are still in Florida. So what? So what happened last time? I, last time we spoke, you were kind of semi like toying with. Well, I'm retired, kind of retired. I am completely retired, except for one little show that I do to keep the lights on. So you, so you aren't retired, completely retired. Then, if you're, st- <laughs> no, I guess semi-retired. I'm just no semi- one even knows I'm doing the show. Trust me. <laughs> no, they do. I do, and I've seen pictures. But it, it, you know what? It's I, I think it's really fitting that you're. I'm having you back on now because you know the you know the saying. I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase it. First they came for the drag queens, and I said nothing. And then you know, and then they came for the Jews, and they came for this. But it's like, what's going on? Um, right now, uh, things are absolutely surreal, and uh, you know, fifty fifty. You know, fifty percent of the people think it's amazing. The other fifty percent of the people you know have educations um (laughs) (laughs) uh, drag queens we speaking for myself um i know this is going to sound terrible i don't want any fucking kids in my 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 fucking audience okay no no that doesn't sound terrible i want to work blue i am a blue old school comedian okay none maybe not all the jokes land but if, if you're afraid of jokes about heterosexual sex or vaginas or penises, you know what I mean? Or jerking off with paste picante salsa, salsa if that upsets you, okay. my, my show is not for you. Right, right. You're coming after drag queens. You're rewriting black history. You're pulling books off the shelf. I know. That's and, what the hell is going on down there? 50% of the people love it. And the other 50% don't. It is what it is. It's just it's very strange. The world... The world is getting very strange. Really um, I, I'm, I'm not a religious person. I understand religion works for some people. It's great. Um, but I feel that um, I don't want to live in a religious country. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I of course. I don't yeah. want to live in a Christian country, a Muslim. I don't want to live, I want to live in a country that everyone can worship, but I don't want people to dictate. You know, to, no. religion is like, it's like a penis. It's great. It's great to have. You can be proud of it, but don't shove it down my throat. <laughs> 
All right. Where, you know, words to live by uh, uh, so from Shelly my Novak. Thing is, my thing is this. My thing is this. Uh, parents, you have the right to let your kid do and say whatever. It's your it's your it's your say because you're their parent. That's it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, that's great, but yeah, I don't, I don't understand. All of a sudden, the the war, like they feel like they have to have a war on drag queens and drag well, shows. Like, where did that come from? This is my theory. RuPaul's Drag Race became so popular. The drag queens are so talented. They they're blurring the line uh, between male and female and the the sexuality. And it, it what what's happening is there's a lot of heterosexuals out there that are like you know, getting tingly in their fucking groin. Oh, okay. And, All right. So they're threatened, they, a little threatened, a little worried. And people are threatened when anything comes out and it's that good. People get threatened. Yes. All right. But we're not here to talk about that now. We're here to talk oh, about not at all. Not at all. Please. This is Shelly Novak. So he, he titled it Shelly Novak's high school musical, 1985 mixtape. That's what it is. <laughs> and this is great. All right. So I don't want to say you're obsessed with the 80s but you are kind of obsessed with the 80s and and this is I, I, before we get into this i just wanted to delve in because obviously this is the era that you fell in love with music and music was very important to you and everything but i'm also wondering like was this a really good time for you was this a happy time for you in the 80s because i'm sure you had struggles well it, you know I think when you look back at things, you always look back with rose-colored glasses. And my my brain is like a computer that doesn't have room for all the sadness that it gets pushed out of the hard drive. But, you know, being gay and growing up in the early 80s, okay, it was it was it was no party, it was no picnic. You had to be uh, you know, a strong person with uh, good self-esteem and right. you know what I mean? And um uh, you know, they're just, they're just, you know, there was no grinder, you know, they were, you know, teenage boys were not making out with each other on MTV while, while, while room rating. I mean, there was no grinder. Grinder for us was you, you would wear a little half shirt and hang out in front of Spencer's uh, gifts at, at the mall <laughs> right? And, and hope that another homosexual would walk by. You know what I mean? And then, and then, then AIDS came. And so that little like four year window that was like really, you know, like, uh, you know, um, Annie Lennox, Boy George, uh, Linda Hunt won an Oscar, uh, John Lithgow's in drag. Everyone's right. in Victoria. Uh, you know, uh, uh, anyways, AIDS came, put a squash on that. Right. And then, um, but I was out of control as a teenager in high school. I graduated in 85, but I was, you know, looking back, I was pretty out of control because I knew I was gay and um I had the license, uh, you know, just the way, you know, new wave and the way things were and the androgyny. I just, I just went with it. I just was like, you know. Yeah. Well, you uh, seem like to uh, me like someone that always knew who he was and didn't, you know, uh, didn't hide, you know, who you were. And, and that's great. But it, but, it, but it wasn't easy. You know, I mean, it wasn't like, you right, know, right. but um, I was class president. I mean, I just, I knew how to like, just, you know, work every click, you know. and Right, right. And um my freshman year, I was in Everett, Massachusetts, which, which is separated by Route 1 to get to Saugus, where I'd grown up. My parents moved back to Saugus, and at the time, I was like, you know, F this. I'm going to walk down Route 1, the eight miles down Route 1, a highway that you're not supposed to walk down. Right. I've got my I've got my trusty Sony Walkman uh, cassette player, the first one. And I used to uh, pop in certain cassettes and uh, take that walk to um everett and um the rhythmic the rhythmics in 1981 little known album uh, but their first album was called uh in the garden right it, ha- it definitely had that you know rhythmics vibe to it but you could tell that they really hadn't really you know had the cohesion yet you know yeah and i knew nothing honestly i knew nothing when you gave me all right so what 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 uh shelly did was made a mixtape and this would be something you know obviously you could make probably hundreds of mixtapes but this is one where you just sort of focused on uh side a side a is uh eurythmics and side b we'll get to what that is but uh let's start off with a song that i honestly i had never heard before and i didn't even know about this album it's the album that came before their breakout record which was sweet dreams uh but let's listen to it then we'll talk about I listen to the uh, track English Summer. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, definitely has that early 80s, like New Order vibe, whatever sound to it. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, it was a good, probably a good idea to like eat a full meal and then smoke a bowl right before you do the podcast. Yeah, and I did a show last night where I I just screamed the whole show. Oh, okay. You you performed last Uh, night. All right. So you're recovering from that. These kids kids I've been hanging with, like I literally made them all leave today. And I said, they, they were like, why? And I said, I go, because I need some sleep. Yes. It's been three days. What's wrong with you people? Eat a breakfast sandwich. Take take a nap. But yeah, English Summer. I like that album. I th- that was the single off of it. Uh, I, I think it charted low in the UK. Right. But there was another song on there called Belinda, uh, which is a little more upbeat. It's cute, but it was a cute album, and that got them like you know on the scene. But it wasn't until 1983. And it's funny because I had, um, you know, my three older friends that are still are good friends of mine because I was like, I don't know, 15 and they were, you know, 20s in their 20s. But they were gay and uh, really well educated. They, you know, they'd give me a list of books to read. They introduced me to David Lynch and John Waters and, right. you know, Fassbinder and, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Just you know, everything. And uh, one night we all went to see a group called, uh, at, we went to the Orpheum Theater in Boston to go see a group called Real Life. Oh, okay. that no one knew we didn't know over here because you know they hadn't come to america yet and it was eurythmics so she comes out on stage and she's wearing the black tuxedo with the orange bright orange hair right they've got they've got the three good songs from uh in the garden and they've got the sweet dreams album to to go through right we had never heard this before she oh, hadn't wow. come to she hadn't come to this was her first american appearance right comes out and just knocks knocks us dead we all looked at each other like what did we just experience that was just amazing you know the next day the uh marquee was changed to eurythmics with real life oh right (laughs) continued the tour but that album the sweet dreams album man it was one of the cassettes that i would throw into my sony walkman and take that eight mile walk to see my my friends at the other high school that i you know, was forced to leave and, and it, it had a, something about it. You know, you could walk to it. You could march to it. There was just something driving uh, about the Sweet Dreams album. I wish that we had room to put the song, uh, This City Never Sleeps, which is fantastic. I wish we had the room for that. But I, I, the, the song that I picked off of uh, Sweet Dreams uh, is Love is a Stranger because there's a, a lyric that says, Love is a stranger in an open car. And when I was 15, sometimes I didn't walk that eight miles. Sometimes I would hitchhike. Oh, to to attempt you in and drive you far away. Far away, or at least eight miles, man. I don't know how I survived that, but I did. <laughs> that's amazing, right? All right. Yeah, that's awesome. It's the opening track. Let's listen to Love is a Stranger. So like subtle and sultry, you know, it's, it's so great. 
and it was and i think that it might have had some problem with censorship because she kept ripping off wigs and i think it just was freaking people out that they <laughs> the, just the androgyny of it all right right oh yeah it was striking but but that's interesting so your first exposure to her was actually seeing them live because most people the first thing was the uh, seeing the sweet dreams video and seeing her and that was so striking but that's that's Having great to walk up like that we did not expect it we didn't even know who was in the eurythmics at the time right but it, but the love is a stranger video though um the different wigs and everything and the thing is annie lennox is still such a beautiful woman that they said, you know, we're going to sign you because, you know, they, they would have signed anyone from Quarter Flash to Pat Benatar as long as they sounded like Blondie or could be promoted like Blondie. Right, right, right. But I think maybe Dave Stewart, someone said to them, said, they were like, you know, you're going to blend in. You're going to look like Blondie with that hair. And she shaved her hair and dyed it red. Oh, and right, right. Best thing that she could have ever done, you know, so it's extremely iconic, you know? Yes. Oh, and the, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned Blondie real quick. I, I wanted to mention the first album in the garden. Clem Burke is playing drums on that, which I had no idea, but I read it. Um, yeah, Clem Burke uh, w- has worked with Eurythmics uh, throughout his career. Yeah, that's awesome. You know? Great drum. Great drum. Um, all right. So you picked as the third uh, track. You picked the first single off their next record after Sweet Dreams. They had the album Touch, right? Uh, yeah. Who's That Girl is off of Touch. They had a bunch of great singles off of that album. Uh, Here Comes the Rain Again. I want to be right by your side. But uh, who's that girl, man? It was such a great video. Oh, and yeah. they, this, group, this group was such a visual group. What they did was they uh, paparazzi stalking people as they left a, a nightclub in London. And each couple was like, you know, Bananarama, Hazy Fantasy, you know, every every like female pop star that at of the time, Marilyn, right. you know, of, uh, you know, Boy George and Marilyn. And of course, Annie and multiple wigs. And it's just this, you know, great video of them stepping onto the red cop at the paparazzi and everyone just putting their hands in front of their yeah. faces. <laughs> it's great. Let's listen to a little bit of Who's That Girl? Who's that Shelly, the, the one thing I was thinking was we've, we've talked about this before. Obviously, you were drawn to at the time. You love these like these powerful female singers, you know, uh, Chrissy Hine, Martha Davis, the Motels and obviously Annie Lennox. But a lot a lot of them, like the way she's singing, obviously, she's singing about uh, a betrayal. And this is someone like, who's that girl? But it's very universal. Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be, a, you know, a, guy, a, a, a woman singing about another woman or a guy. It's very. So the fact that she was so, uh, you know, that you could take from this what you wanted and, and just put it to, to your own situation. The, the beauty of the beauty of androgyny. But I just loved I was such an anglophile. I just loved the non-stop parade of uh, different um, British-like uh, stars, you know, Hazel O'Connor. In the beginning was a world. Man said, let there be more light. Electricity, a maze of beams. Neon lights, the light are going night. The uh, singers that you really, you know, didn't really know from, you know, from England and stuff. It was, right. It was just a great video. And, uh, she just looked great. It was a great video. And, uh, you know, I, I, I urge everyone, go to YouTube, check out these videos. You'll enjoy yourselves. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Now, were you already were you toying with uh, drag at, at when you were this young, or did that come oh, a little later? No, no, no. I was a I was a, 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 a class president slash high school bully. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you were. I mean, I was going to say this earlier. No offense, but I feel like some people. Oh, they came out. You were surprised, but I, no one's was shocked that you. When you were, I mean, it was probably kind of obvious that, you know, Shelly, who Shelly was, was right from the start. I was gay from day one. It's That's just, what I look, I'm saying, yeah. I look, at, I look at the photos that they take in the second grade and, like, you look in, like, in each row and then there's one little kid who's, like, sitting there, like, yes, right. Paul, <laughs> like, like, like Paul Lind in the center square of Hollywood Squares, you know? <laughs> It's like spot the future homosexual. Yeah, yeah. You know but I mean? um <laughs> okay, but yeah. you weren't but that that all came later. Uh that, that that all came later when you were older. Was that like a revelation to you too? I was I was shot out of a cannon gay it, it, it was from day one. Right. Do you know what I mean? I was I was the one who complained as a child that, that there were no I, I literally said I, I would burn the theater down because there were no boy orphans in Annie. No. <laughs> I knew all the songs, but uh, there was no boy often. Yeah, where's the dudes? <laughs> yeah, all right. all right, so now you picked us. Uh, this is really cool. You picked a song from the 1984 movie soundtrack that they did, which there's a lot of uh, controversy with that, but I, I really love this album, and, and I love, I'm sure, so was 1984 maybe something you, because that, that was a real big thing for me also at that time, like reading the book 1984 had a big yeah, well. Everyone loves the book, and then finally they they here they are putting it together a amazing screen adaption uh, with John Hurt and of course Richard Burton in his last Oscar nominated performance Oscar nominated performance, which they could have given him the Oscar, but you know Os- the Oscars they literally just shove every Oscar up your ass, um, <laughs> except for except for Rod Steiger, I'll allow you to fellatiate yours. Now the 1984 soundtrack they. Uh, recorded the whole thing. They were able to uh, generate three hits off of it. But still, I cannot stress enough, if you like the Eurythmics, seek out this album. It is, it, it, it's it's moody. It's, yeah, it's, it's so good. It, it has so much to say. It's a testimony to their genius. It's just such a great album. And for them to pull it at the last minute, but at least they were able to release the album and release three singles. And I believe the the song we're going to listen to now was the highest charting single on the album. Yeah, and it's great that it did because it's really it's a weird, strange song, but it's really great too. Listen to a little bit of. Oh, it's good. Double plus good. Double plus good. It's double plus good. Yeah, I guess. Uh, uh, do you remember seeing this? Like, do you remember when the movie came out and seeing oh, it in yeah, the theaters? Yeah, 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 I was all into it. Uh, uh, it. It was it was done in you know like uh, you know sepia tone colors, and but you know it had Brazil came out around the same time. It was just right. It just didn't get the push it needed. But the uh, second single, uh, Julia, which was like the love theme, it's right. absolutely haunting, and that that's that's something that you definitely want to check out. Uh, 
Yeah, but uh, but it's weird that the that the director Michael Radford didn't didn't dig like he he sort of he could even complain that he had the Eurythmics music foisted on him and he also commissioned like an orchestral score. So there's actually two versions of the film out there because there's a there's the one with the, the Eurythmics. Oh, harmonic, yeah. Yeah, and, and the director's cut. I don't think there's a copy out there with the Eurythmics music on it. Oh, I don't, I, okay. So it got uh, the, yeah, which is so weird though. I don't know. I guess, well, he, he's an artist, I guess. They were too busy jerking off Brian Eno and David Byrne. <laughs> Okay. Well, every, everywhere, everywhere, everything, all at, every hand job, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> all right. So uh, we get on the uh, on on the continuing uh, Shelley Novak uh, High School um, mixtape. We get this song, which was the fourth single from their 1985 album "Be Yourself Tonight." And perfectly, this one, it's all right, baby's coming back. Uh, to me, it's great because it shows that she, her voice, she could just do like a straight up soul song. And it's like, great, you know? She was one of the queens of blue-eyed soul. I mean, there was so so many great blue-eyed soul artists that came out of that time. Now, in 1984, uh, I graduated in 85. Now, the, the elevator pitch of me as a teenager in Everett, Massachusetts, in Boston... Um, I was selling drugs. I was uh, class president also there. Very popular. Um, looking back, I realize now that I might have been instrumental without even knowing it in uh, some kind of like pedophile uh, grooming ring because like I met an older man, oh. got I got enamored by the cars, the the prizes, the this and then uh, that, oh, and then he he rifled through all my friends. So my when my family found out about this. They were like, he's selling drugs. This 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 kid is being taken advantage by, you know, by getting involved with all these, you know, the, you know, because when you're 15, you're like, oh, my God, you know, Jordache jeans is great. You know what I mean? You, you don't realize, that, you know. Oh, wow. So anyway, I feel bad. I apologize to the entire hockey team. I'm sorry. The pedophile bank. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Well, not, uh, different times, uh, different times. <laughs> 1980s. We didn't know. We just thought he was a cool guy who fucking uh, would go buy us beer. Wow. Anyways. <laughs> Yeah, let me Jesus. tell you something. So then my family says, listen, we have to, I have an aunt and uncle in Texas who I really don't know, but we're going to move him there because there, is, there are no homosexuals and there is no, <laughs> there's no marijuana in Kingwood, Texas. Of course so they not. Moved yeah, me, perfect. They moved me to Kingwood, Texas, and it, it was basically the the John Hughes movie they forgot to write. It oh, was okay. it was. It was it was it was like a Molly Ringwald film. I was I was like a, a, a much more faggotier uh kevin bacon uh if that's possible it was like Footloose, and they sent me to kingwood high school and um this song it's all right uh baby's coming back really um resonated with me because when i got there i only had like four cassettes and uh, uh be yourself tonight was one of them oh okay and that and that song was kind of my mantra because i wanted it as soon as i turned 18 i was coming back to boston ah uh, okay nice all right i love it it's all right, baby's coming back. Shelly, here's the big question. You're in Texas abiding your time till you turn 18. Did did their plan work? Like, did you behave yourself when you were in there or, or did... Uh... Well, what happened was when I got to Kingwood, Texas, um, 
Of course, I'm I'm dressed like Tony Manero from uh, I went from like this the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack to uh, Night Moves by Bob Seger. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm wearing like Terry Cloth uh, shirts, gold chains, and tight Jordache, and and I show up like uh, Kevin Bacon in Footloose, and I and and they're all calling me. My nickname became Tommy Boston, and uh, oh, that's I, funny. Said to the kids, I was like, "Listen, the back door and the the forest, the the woods are right there. The back doors are right there. No one's walking outside smoking." So I had to get two extra credits to be able to pass. So I decided to become, first of all, uh, the uh, principal's aide, so I could walk into the rooms and say things like, "Mr. Beninati would like to see uh, Julie." Uh, uh, <laughs> so I could pull my friends out of class, and we just go smoke pot on, you know underneath the bridge. Anyways. So then I took the other the other uh, credit I took was uh, science teacher, science aid uh, teacher. And I would like, you know, get the labs together, like, you know, uh, plate plate up 37 fetal pigs or whatever. <laughs> and then I found out that to skip class, you would just have to get a piece of paper and get uh, all the signatures of the, your teachers uh, uh, to accept like the class that you missed or whatever right. so because i was working for the science teacher i knew everyone's signature so i would uh i'd say what would you miss seventh period i'd fill everybody in <laughs> so um then um one of the kids the local pot dealer said to me he goes hey all those triple balance beam scales in the science department every time you give me one of them triple balance beam scales i'll, I'll get you a bag of weed and uh by the end of the school year there wasn't one triple balance beam scale left and right. i felt <laughs> Get this. There was an episode of Louis C.K. and he did the same thing in his autobiographical. He was talking about when he was in high school, and I was like, "Oh my God, that's so crazy! You got down a teacher that you loved by stealing the uh, triple balance beam skills like that." I did. Right. Oh, oh. So one day, uh, Doc, uh, Mr. Thornbird, uh, the math teacher, who uh, it was 1985, and he was telling everybody you could get AIDS off a toilet handle. Right. He was. He was one of those. And he's, he found out he saw me forge the passes. And so he starts walking me to the principal Faith, Faith's office, uh, principal Faith. And I'm walking five feet in back of him, eating the passes, eating them. Uh, <laughs> oh, we get to principal Faith's office, Faith, Faith's office. And I go in, I'm, you know, I'm an actor. I go in and I go, I go, oh, principal Faith, let me tell you something. I don't belong here. I'm lost. I was, I was moved here. I'm moving with an aunt and uncle. I don't even know. I'm from Boston. I all I all I, I just want to fit in. I don't know anybody. I, I just want to I just want to graduate. Please, you have to let me graduate. So then at the time, Mrs. Rucker, the our, our English teacher, was uh banging the uh, star uh pitcher, uh the high school uh baseball pitcher. Oh Jesus Christ. They fired and they fired her. But then they had me reading to the class because they thought my accent was uh, British, so I was reading Macbeth to the class. <laughs> well, Faith says to me, "Listen, if you can get the football team during Saturday, you know, Breakfast Club, if you can get the, the football team to learn Macbeth and pass that test, so that they'll, they're able to play the big game, I'll let you graduate." Oh, so and you said do, you had me at football team. <laughs> yeah. Honey, listen. If you, listen. If you don't think I rifled through every hot guy in town, because I was Tommy Boston. Look at my tight jeans. Right. So, um, I had them all um in the Saturday class, and like any homosexual, I pulled out my VHS copy of Roman Polanski's Macbeth, made them watch it. I told them about Charles Manson, Sharon Tate. I explained about guilt, how you can't wash the guilt off your hands. This, that. I gave them all the bullet points. Right. They win, they win, they they pass the test, they win the game. Everyone's like, we love you, Tommy Boston. <laughs> At the end of the year, everybody got up on stage and saying, we are the world. And I wasn't supposed to be involved, but I jumped up on stage and I started doing the um, the uh, Cindy Lauper part of it. Oh, right, right. Nice. You know, they're all, you know, and I'm like, we acted all crazy. And um, they did a slideshow at the end of the year where they were um, – the song All the Pretty Girls in High School Make Me Sick by the Judys. When they were in junior high, never wanted to be with the guys. And now they're gonna graduate, won't date anyone under 28. Well, they talk about their friends behind their backs and how so-and-so's dress looks like a sack. Had a slideshow of all the pretty girls, and halfway through uh, all the pretty girls, there was a picture of me doing it like this. So. 
Um, Boston, I'm telling you, it was the it was it was like it was a gayer footloose. Right, right. It, it was like fast times at Ridgemont High without the abortion. You made your and stamp. It, you made your stamp there. At, uh... it, was, it was John Hughes film. They forgot to film. But let me tell you something. The one song that really wraps up the Eurythmics, and let's face it, it's it's it's, it's you can't touch it. It's a hundred years from now. You will still know this song, ladies and gentlemen, Sweet Dreams. Iconic. iconic track and it's like we've all you've heard it so much but it's hard to appreciate at the time how different it was and how it stood out people cover it all the time and and if you want to feel old uh annie has uh, an adult daughter who sings lola lennox who looks just like her and she's an absolute dream oh really yeah lola lennox ladies and gentlemen on instagram (laughs) all right all right nice so that's uh that's side one so now we got side two and i i was kind of surprised uh just because it it wasn't another iconic female artist uh that's featured although females do uh come into play on this uh for sure but so you so prince your prince connection was it did you did you go out and see a purple rain was that it was it the take take a deep breath okay go ahead Join us, won't you? Yes. <laughs> I like Karina Longworth. Join us, won't you? As we remain in 1985. Now, 1985, the kid that was buying all the triple beam uh, bounce beam scales that was uh, the weed dealer. Yes. He was also he was also the like the the demon of Fast Times at Richmond High. He was the ticket scalper. Oh, okay. So every concert in 1985. We went, we saw it in the front row. Frankie goes to Hollywood, uh, like a virgin. Uh, the third album, uh, when Boy George was on heroin, um, you uh, two, where he actually like sweat on us. <laughs> then we went to see Purple Rain, uh, the um, the Prince Purple Rain tour. Now, in Kingwood, Texas, at that time, they had black stations and white stations, okay. And it just didn't mix around. You may be able to hear George Michaels or Tina Marie on the black stations. And of course, on the white stations, you could hear some black artists if they were pop, but never the train, you know, would meet, you know, Prince, um, you could not escape him in 1985. Purple Rain was huge, huge. Every song was a single. He won the Oscar for the score and he had his hand in so many different other groups, Uh, Wendy and Lisa, uh, Sheila E, Vanity Six, Apollonia Six, uh, The Time, Jesse Johnson's Review, uh, uh, Susanna Hoffs of the Bengals, uh, Sinead O'Connor, right, right, Kim Basinger. I mean, the list goes on, you know. <laughs> and that's not easy when you have a giant bobblehead. But um, yeah, so I, I since moving to L.A., I did. I tried to call up that shrink in uh, Beverly Hills. You know the one, uh, Doctor. Everything will be all right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out that way. He didn't. And know. I understand, and I know from experience how hard it is for you in L.A. When you're ugly and poor, it is a hard, hard way to go. Way to go. It, I remember. It, well, it's hard no matter what, but it is. It makes it extra hard. It does. All right, but let's listen to the opening track of uh, Purple Rain. This is new. Let's go crazy. Dearly beloved, 
We are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Electric word, life, it means forever, and that's a mighty long time. But I'm here to tell you, there's something else. The afterworld. A world of never-ending happiness. You can always see the sun. Day or night. So when you call up that shrink in Beverly Hills, you know the one. Doctor, everything will be alright. So, Shelly, here's something I know about you. As far as, with all the, you know, the 80s stuff and some of the frou-frou music, you're a rock guy still. You're I a rocker, mean, right? But Prince is rock to me. I That's mean, what I'm saying. Song. No, no, no. For sure he is, 100%. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, especially the end of the song. He's got that guitar solo, that crazy killer guitar solo. And, uh, yeah. So, I was thinking this might have been confusing for some people because it's still rock so hard. But then you get this guy that, again... Androgyn, uh, androgynous, you know, the whole thing, are you a woman, are you a man? But, but if, if you remember uh, his album For You and Controversy in 1999, I mean, the, the groundwork was laid for this. This yeah. was just it's just his explosion. And thanks to MTV and a, and a film that by uh, Albert Broccoli that was uh, directed and edited like MTV, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's what we needed in 1985. It really was. Yeah. And uh, and it's so whenever I listen to uh, Prince revisit it, it, I always get sad because I think, man, it's so sad that he's not around anymore. You know, making uh, well, music. You know, how do old and uh, old uh, bastards like us will probably live forever, Tommy? I don't know. Yeah. Like fucking, and all my art sucks compared to Prince. But you know, this song, uh, this next song, um, and it was tough for me to choose because there's so many like to choose from. But like you said, yeah, almost every song from this album was a single. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but even you know even if I had decided to do like earlier as long as it was before 1985, just there's just something about this song that uh, you know if maybe if Tipper Gore had listened to this instead of the masturbating with the magazine maybe she would have had a different opinion. Oh right, because it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it really oh, oh by the way, when you buy your kid an album, read the fucking liner notes. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Read the liner notes. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's like giving your kid uh, Red Fox's wash your ass. Yeah, and then getting getting mad about it. Like, I didn't know this would be so filthy. <laughs> but, but you know what? I understand when uh, Al Gore fucks her, they listen to Nora Jones' album. Okay, well, I'm going to have to take your word for it on that one. Let's listen to the beautiful ones. Hetero's love.
Yeah. So I'm I'm just curious. I want to get what I don't know. It's a scary thought getting inside the the mind of Shelly Novak. But when you're listening to this, like especially at the time, are you like? Is he singing to me or just are you just in the whole, you know, emotion of it all? Or what's your like, uh, what's your vibe? Are you just uh, loving the whole, you know, the whole thing, the whole theatricality about it all? I mean, we as Americans, we speak through the language of cinema. And at that time, we had the the perfect zeitgeist of not only a, a, a beautiful song, transcendent song uh, uh, sung by an icon, but we also had, uh, you know, the visual of it. But, you know, when I hear that song, I don't know, it, it, it always just it, it just struck a chord with me. And, you know, when you're 14, 15 years old and it's your first love or you just figured out you were gay and you have your first boyfriend and and everything seems like so new. It seems like you invented sex and romance. And and I mean, it's it's, you know, to sound like a cliche, it's the soundtrack to one's life. But right. You know, you could put on the Purple Rain soundtrack and just, you know, have a great time. Yes. <laughs> that song, that song's all about love and longing. And yes, like, I, yes. I, I, every teenager has so much love and so much longing. They don't know what to do with it. And that's why it comes out in softball and fistfights. Right. <laughs> exactly. All right. So I didn't know this next one, Erotic City, which features Sheila E. It was the so uh, did you have the Let's Go Crazy single? Because I guess this was the a B-side to the Let's Go Crazy single. Well, I did not have the Let's Go Crazy single. I think I had this on an EP of some sort. Oh, OK. But growing up in New England, in Boston, we had a, a, a radio station called Kiss 108 which was on top of all of this stuff. And of course, you know, we'd sit in front of our boom boxes and taping things off. And this, uh, the choice of Erotic City, uh, I wanted something to represent Sheila E. Yes. Now, you could have done The Bell of St. Mark, The Glamorous Life, uh, A Love Bazaar, which is absolutely sublime. I mean, it's just perfection. But then I went with the more popular, more well-known Erotic City. And just the fact that, you know, as uh, typical is trying to put, uh, you know, censor albums, uh, Prince doubled down and put out a song that said, we can fuck until the dawn making love till yes. Cherry's dawn. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Tipper. <laughs> so, Tipper, if you're out there, honey, and your 11-year-old daughter, it, the cherry is not a pie. <laughs> all right, Erotic City. And dawn is not a dishwashing liquid. <laughs> No, so wait, did they play this on the radio that you heard, or did they just uh, bleep that part out? They just, uh, it'd be like, when he'd be like, we can find, like, they would, like, like, you know, bleep bleep it out and make it like a, oh, no, we can funk until the dawn, I believe. Oh, okay, all right. And I think they left in Making Love Till Cherry's Gone, though. (laughs) Now, you know, it's funny. (laughs) I don't like, uh, I don't like to use the word sexy because i feel like it sounds creepy coming from an old white dude just to say sexy so i don't say it but this song is sexy as fuck though it really is erotic city yes yes of course it is <laughs> but it's i just don't be- i don't know for me i feel like i can't use that word i don't like using the word before your sciatica you could 
fuck to that song like no one's business. <laughs> you, so you don't know how on the money you are. My my sciatic has been killing me lately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My advice, my advice is just lie down, lie down, and become a lazy top. <laughs> Let everyone, uh, do the, let everyone do the work. Take it from right, grandpa, okay. take it from an A-list grandpa. <laughs> no, but I'll tell you, Sheila E. Something else. Uh, she come uh, Escovedo, the last name. She comes from a very brilliant, talented family. Her father's a wonderful uh, drummer. Oh, okay, um, okay, yeah, yeah. She is. She's great. Performing now, and when we went to the Purple Rain uh, concert in the front row, thanks to pot dealing Eric Sacedo, the uh, uh, Demone, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Demone, right. She comes out, and at the time, we didn't know what these were in 1985. She comes out, and she starts playing the drums with uh, Siloom sticks, but we, the, we, they weren't on the market. Everyone's turning around going, I don't fucking believe Sheila E. is playing her drumsticks are glowing. <laughs> you know, it's, and then, in, you know, then uh, the Olympics came, and we, you know, the next year we learned better. Right, right, right. But, you know, with the, with the next song, I'll tell you, um, I was a huge fan of Vanity and Denise uh, Denise Matthews and Vanity Six. Okay, which was Prince's first iteration of a girl group. Right. Okay, she went on to do some acting in like The Last Dragon, Fifty Two Pickup. I mean, she, the girl was talented. She had a fucking cuckoo out of control uh, coke uh, habit. Which uh, there's a, a friend of mine was a, a delivery guy, and he told me the story how he, uh, she held him hostage. It's oh, just, Jesus. yeah, but listen, eighties. It was eighties. Cocaine, fucking, it was ridiculous back then. It was a hell of a drug. But she found Jesus. She got help, well, healthy again. Um, she did the Vanity Six album for Prince, um, and he, she was ready to go be in the Purple Rain movie. Um, but something happened. They broke up and he, out of nowhere, and this is a testimony to this woman's talent, picked out of nowhere Apollonia Cotero, who then they changed the name to Apollonia 6. Right. The album that they made, the, the single from the Purple Rain soundtrack, Sex Shooter, was a huge hit. But the album that uh, Apollonia put together, which was all written by Prince and... Um, it was uh, Apollonius. It's called Apollonius Six. It every song is a, a banger. It really, is so well produced. And the thing is, you have to struggle to find this album. Oh yeah, you won't, you won't find you won't find vinyl. You won't find cassette. It, oh, okay. It's not. It's, yeah, it's no, I didn't know it existed. I I remember this song. I wanted to do a different song from the album, but you never would have found it. Because oh, it's right, so right. Well, this is great. Just the uh, the video, you've got to watch. Everyone's got to watch the video because it's so 80s, this video. It, it, it'll it make your teeth hurt. It's well, yeah, they, they danced in camisoles. And uh... <laughs> and it honestly looks like kind of like a workout. You know, they had the workout videos, like a cheesy workout video with girls in lingerie. But uh, But it somehow all works, right? Yeah, they're fantastic. Brenda and Susan, the other two girls in Apollonia 6. And um, let's hear it for Sex Shooter. I think they, they went to number 10. Yeah. Fashion-wise, aside from the music, just fashion-wise, did any of this have an? Because I feel like a lot of your your drag personas is more like glamorous, more like Hollywood 
glamour. I, yeah, I but, but uh, did you ever did you have a phase where you were like the eighties type in phase? The, in the nineteen eighties, we, we unironically wore ruffled shirts. We go, we dressed like pirates. We oh, cut right. the fingers okay. <laughs> out of our gloves. If you saw it on MTV, you would go out to Hot Topic or Merry Go Round or Tellos or whatever, and you would you would knock it off or make it yourself somehow. But uh, yeah, the prince's look. It, it, I mean, I mean, it, it changed. Look, look at uh, the rock group Heart. They were made over in the image of that that look. Right, uh, right. They had all of a sudden all the all the lace and the frilly stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, and uh, uh, you couldn't escape Prince's like mysterious look. It just, it just was. I, I can't explain. It. it was like nothing, you know, that we really had any before. But, but but also at that time, you know, we were dealing with AIDS, and and here was someone embracing his sexuality, and and everything seemed happy and fun, and you know what I mean? Right, it's right, just, right. Just you know, yeah. Speaking of happy and fun, you got the time, which Gigolos. I feel like this could be like your theme song, maybe. Gigolos get lonely too. <laughs> it's going to be the epitaph of my my headstone. Okay. When I thought of the time, I said to myself, you know, I could do Jungle Love. I could do, uh, you know, uh, The Bird or, you know, 777-9311 or, uh, you know. But uh, but I said to myself, you know what? I have a girlfriend, Susan Pantaleri, who uh, I grew up with, who I love. And and she and I love the time. And we just break out into song all the time. And our favorite is Gigolos Get Lonely, too. Nice. get lonely too shelly i'm telling you right now you know to be achingly good looking and incredibly intelligent it's it's a curse it's a curse okay <laughs> so you know in 1985 thanks to eric valdez and him being you know the ticket scalper and being able to see all these amazing concerts in the front row um the purple rain tour was like I don't think I've experienced a better concert since it was just right. such camaraderie with the people in the audience. Everyone had seen the film. It was, it was my senior year of high school in 1985. It just, it went on for four hours. It was just, yeah, right. Epic. And then, and, and the, uh, the ending of the show, the, the, the last song is the last song you did for your tape. I, w- I would assume, I mean, maybe you did encores, but I'm sure he ended with this next. Yeah, song. no, this was the last song. And, the nice thing about, we still have a long fucking way to go, but the nice thing about 1985, you saw George Michaels on the black charts, you saw Prince on the white charts. You oh, saw, right, right, right. You saw white people embracing Prince, you saw black people embracing George Michael. They were breaking, I mean, you couldn't have um, black performers on MTV. I mean, you know, right, it, right. It, these small baby steps, you know what I mean? And it all boils down to what? Music, the love of music. The, the, the fact that it transcends race, gender, color, creed, it, it, it's music. It, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't deal with your head. It deals with your heart. And, um, this last song, man, um, it, to me, it is my quintessential song from 1985. I graduated by the skin of my teeth. Thanks to those fetal pigs. That's right. 
Um, I graduated by the skin of my teeth. I'm still friendly with my best girlfriend from that year, 1985. And he's married to a beautiful woman. They have amazingly smoking hot children. But the most beautiful boy, heterosexual, the most beautiful man from Kingwood High School in 1985 is still my good friend. Oh, nice, nice. We recently went to a Radiohead concert together with his family, and I went in full drag. Oh, really? Nice. <laughs> well, I, had, I, had, I had no time to, to between gigs, and uh, but I'll, I'll always cherish that memory. And um, yeah, let's hear it for Purple Rain. I never meant to call. We should also mention uh, a couple years back what the greatest uh, Super Bowl performance ever uh, in my, uh, Miami. Well, you know, Miami. Uh, Joe Robbins. It, it was amazing. It was amazing. In the pouring rain, uh, legend has it that they told they were, you know, discussing whether they could even go on with the show or do it. And they told Prince, they said, hey, Prince, it's really pouring. Do you think, you know, we could do this? And Prince said, can you make it rain harder? <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we really lost, we really lost someone. I feel robbed, you know, when I think of Tom exactly. Petty yep. and Prince and this, that, and the other one, like, you know, things that happen accidentally, it just kills me. Bowie and Prince, you hit me. Bowie had cancer. It's just, it's just, I don't know, man. But you know what? Like I tell, I tell my friends, my, my friends that are my age, I said, listen, we're at the age where the lifestyles we led it's going to catch up to us. Well, it is, fall. especially, I don't know, Shelly, maybe not hang out with these kids half your age. Maybe just, you got to, you know. Excuse me. These kids keep me young. All right. They keep you young. I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like a Stephen King movie. I, I kiss them and suck the life out of them. And I leave the husk and I throw it in the high school fucking locker and I move on. Okay. All right. But just make sure you give yourself some recuperation time in between, you know. Oh, no, no. I, I'm literally turning off the phone. Uh, it's, it was a lot of fun and everything, but I mean, I, I just, oh my God. A lot of times it's just like, it, it's, I find myself, uh, they start talking and I start thinking about tomorrow's meal plan. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, oh. this was uh, this was really fun. I, I knew it would be fun having you on. And, and like I said, I'm really I'm glad we did it. It's sort of fitting. Uh, like I said, the, the war on the war on drag drag shows and drag queens. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand it. But hopefully, yeah. it, it'll, it'll fall by the wayside. They're just picking on people that that they they, they you know they, they lost on uh, gay marriage, so they're coming after drag queens. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, you keep fighting uh, the the good fight. I will, and you know, and um, you know, as I get older and I do more writing and I look at my childhood and I see what's going on in the world. My new pet my new pet project is. Uh, working against child trafficking because I was 13 years old. I didn't know any better. Right, 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 right. Yeah. You know, people, it's just the way it is. Yeah. You know, when, when you're 13, you're like, uh, you know, wow, you know, new sneakers. Uh, let me let me get the rest of the hockey team to, yeah. oh my you, know, you, don't, you don't know. Yeah. Pedophiles are the worst people on earth. Let okay. me tell you something. All right. well, but, but on a happy note, he, the, the, the ringleader, he burnt up in a fiery fiero. Oh, Car okay, really? Oh, yeah. okay. Well, good. Karma. Karma will get you in the end. 
God, listen to my, listen to my, you hear my thing going off, my stupid uh, Alexa, whatever that is. Oh, because well, I yelled, burn up a pedophile, and she <laughs> refused it. Maybe that's Alexa, it. burn a pedophile up. <laughs> Best thing that ever fucking happened to my town when that motherfucker's Fierro burnt up. Oh, my God. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks again for doing this, and definitely, I'm excited for that uh, doc, uh, for that doc uh, that you're involved in now, and everything. Got to oh man, the documentary came with such a great time. I, I needed it. I was so sad with all the death and right, 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 right. All the shit that happened with the three punch, you know, and and they're really wonderful people. They did uh, the Banksy documentary, and yeah, and which is wonderful. great. Yeah, exit through the uh, gift shop. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I so, gave, and I gave I gave them so many sound bites that I have a feeling that they're not they're not gonna the whole the whole thing is gonna be me. I <laughs> love and, and and I love how your initial thing was to, uh, to blow them off. <laughs> well, I thought I didn't know. I, I I thought it was a bill collector, and then I answered it, and they. Were, we're, we're animating photographs and we're paying 200 like, fuck off <laughs> I said fucking I got 1800 let's go back over here alright awesome yeah. alright so don't forget everyone uh, you can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook it's at that record got me high on Twitter or X whatever the fuck it's called at TRGMH podcast email me at TRGMH33 at gmail.com don't forget if you want to become a patron of the show and support me in my endeavors uh, go to patreon.com forward slash TRGMH Shelly, thanks again, a.k.a. Tommy Strangey. We will talk to you again soon. Definitely. I'm on Instagram as Just Say Shelly. And every Monday night at 10 p.m., I am at Kill Your Idol, 222 Espanola Way on South Beach, hosting the dating game. Yes. Sponsored by by Jaeger. Prizes. Uh, Nope. Everybody gets drunk. Everybody drinks for free. And if you can't get laid during my dating game show... There's something wrong. There's really something wrong. Okay. Love you guys. Love you. Thank you. We'll see you again. I'm up. How can you?